Welcome to the Lightcast podcast. I'm your host, Stephanie Gast, registered associate marriage and family therapist. I talk openly about mental health to normalize and cast light on the shadows of the human experience. Tune in for monthly episodes based on themes that intuitively arise for me personally and professionally. Disclaimer, the Lightcast podcast, including any references and resources, are for informational purposes only. Anything said should not be taken as a replacement for medical, clinical, professional advice, diagnosis, or intervention. My podcast may cover sensitive topics, including but not limited to abuse, suicide, violence, mental illness, sex, drugs, and alcohol. Your discretion is advised. This episode of the Lightcast podcast, I talk about how it can feel scary to trust the vulnerability of joy. I discuss how accessing and cultivating more moments of pleasure is your birthright and an act of rebellion in our society. I shine a light on how glimmers, the opposite of triggers, can spark joy, ease, relaxation, safety, and connection, even just for a fleeting moment. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the start of season three of the Lightcast podcast. We're going to kick it off with talking about our relationship with joy and pleasure, happiness, and those beautiful moments that make life worth living. Yet there's usually a very complicated relationship people can have with those feelings of joy and happiness and pleasure. And this was a theme that was popping up personally and professionally in the work that I do, noticing how people have defense mechanisms that come up when we're trying to lean into joy or just an overall complicated relationship with pleasure itself. So, you know, you hear the word joy and think, how can joy be scary? What do you mean, right? And it actually is a really common experience for people to find joy to be very scary to lean into. A lot of people associate it with that feeling of, you know, the other shoe's going to drop, just kind of waiting for when it's going to go away. So much so that it actually takes us out of the moment of joy, out of the present, and unable to sink in and really enjoy that moment. Rather, our fear kind of steps in and guards us from being able to lean in fully and embody that emotion because it's anticipating disappointment or hurt or grief or sadness that that moment's going to end. And so the irony is that it ends up removing us away from being able to fully experience that moment. So trusting joy and the vulnerability of happiness can be very scary and unfamiliar for certain folks. And I say the vulnerability because it is a very vulnerable emotion. You know, when we feel joy and when we feel happy, truly, right, we kind of all have all our guards down. We're, we're allowing this great moment to just take over in our body kind of when all our defenses are down and 
it can feel very vulnerable, like anything can strike at that moment when our guard is down. Or it's highlighting these moments of things that are really important to us, like love, um, connection, and maybe we haven't experienced a lot of joy and pleasure in our life. So when there's this moment that finally comes, it it's kind of vulnerable to allow oneself to sink into it and trust that it's not going to disappear or go away. And so that's what I mean by it being a very vulnerable emotion. And so the way I see this coming up a lot with people that I work with is, you know, future-oriented anxiety. A lot of what-ifs taking place, right? Like, in a moment of joy and our brains already starting to think of, Oh, what if this happens? Or what if that might occur already removing us from the moment and propelling us into the future? Um, and almost trying to kind of prep, if you will, for when that joy is gone, even though it's still happening in the moment, but this anxiety, this future oriented thinking just takes us away from the moment of that joy. There's also this experience of kind of more like a OCD intrusive distressing thought just in a moment when your body is finally feeling safe or relaxed or at ease and just this distressing unwanted intrusive thought just usually something really random and you have no idea why you're even thinking of it in the first place, but it, this just distressing thought might just pop in your head and completely disturb this moment of peace or relaxation you were having. Things like that. That's something I've also seen come through a lot with clients is this just unwanted intrusive thought that just removes you from this moment of relaxation. And it's super unwanted right? Like it's just a random thought. And you're like, why am I even thinking that? Cool. Thanks brain. Right. But it ends up removing us from this moment. And I've also noticed this experience of kind of pumping the brakes, if you will, or stopping yourself when you know you're about to like something or you know you're going to enjoy something, but it's almost like, oop, let me, let me push the brake real quick. Let me not lean fully into that moment. And it can be scary to let ourselves trust that. And like I said, this feeling of that moment of joy or pleasure getting ripped away, or like we won't be able to handle the disappointment or the sadness of when that moment may stop. This could even look like you know, fearing the things that make you happy because it's associated with the risk of being judged by yourself or others, you know, risking a fun thing that you're enjoying because it exposes you to the eyes of other people or, you know, the own critical lens of your own mind and perfectionism kind of taking away the joy of the process and already just having these anxious thoughts and fears running through your mind. And this kind of relates to, you know, this feeling of joy and happiness also is associated with things like playing and creating, um, resting, just being, right? So also this state of relaxation can be similar to joy because these are states that bring our nervous system to a calm place. 
And this can be really unfamiliar to many of those whose nervous system's baseline um, is to always feel guarded or anxious due to maybe trauma or life experiences. So when our nervous state's baseline is to always be anxious and guarded, it can actually feel like you're taking your defenses down, your defenses down and feeling really vulnerable at every point when we try to feel relaxed in our body. So to play, to enjoy can feel extremely vulnerable, like you're exposing yourself um, and just feeling this unsafety especially when, again, someone has spent their whole life having this guardedness in their body to protect them over time. And to let that go, to just almost like fall into the net and trust that joy can hold you, uh, can be very exposing and very vulnerable. And so we can do all these things like what if anxieties or just an unwanted anxious thought to bring that baseline back to an anxiety when you finally had that moment of relaxation. You know, perfectionism and pumping those brakes, these are all different ways we may remove ourselves from trusting moments of joy and pleasure. And again, many of these are protective behaviors that most of the time are engaged unconsciously. Right? We're not purposely removing ourselves from being able to enjoy those moments of pleasure. But it's this unconscious protection and usually just this automatic, again, baseline of our nervous system that's just guarded. And it robs us, robs us from truly being able to embrace and enjoy those moments. Again, almost as if we're trying to prevent or soften the hurt of that moment leaving. And yet all we really do is remove ourselves from fully embodying and experiencing the joy in the present. And nothing can truly soften that disappointment or hurt we may experience later. <clears throat> That's the thing about when people ask, are you happy? I always find that question really interesting because happy Happiness, right? Joy. These are moments. These are emotions, just like sadness, just like fear, just like anger. And emotions come and go. And so that also means joy and happiness are also going to be moments that are fleeting. They're going to come and they're going to go. And, you know, when we don't have a lot of those moments, it can feel like, you know, oh, I want this moment to stay even longer. And, we can kind of do these things to almost feel like we're softening the blow when that time comes. So we're just already going to start prepping it. We're start anxiety, future tripping about when it's going to go to almost prepare ourselves to almost not fully lean into that moment as if it'll be easier when it's gone. But instead we end up just missing out on this beautiful moment of fully enjoying this joy or pleasure that has occurred and end up just experiencing double the disappointment or anxiety or hurt because it doesn't 
ever really prepare us for those moments when it is going to go away. And, you know, when we talk about all this doing the inner work that a lot of us talk about in therapy, um, healing, right, all those things, some people think it's to, you know, be able to be more resilient and strong and handle the pain or the suffering or the trauma that life's going to throw at us. And in reality, healing isn't for that. Okay, like humans are incredibly resilient and um, they're really resilient at enduring trauma. I mean, young children are resilient enduring trauma. And that's not what we, that's not what healing looks like, right? Because we're innately extremely resilient creatures. And that there's no question about that from all the things that people go through in their lives. But we want to heal and do that inner work actually to be able to soften, to not have to be so strong and guarded and resilient from all the trauma that we've experienced in our lives. We heal and do this inner work to be able to soften and lean into joy and pleasure, the things that a lot of our trauma and life experiences have tainted or robbed from us. And so we do this inner work to heal to have a greater capacity to feel joy in our bodies. So I want to talk a little bit about pleasure as this act of rebellion. Okay? So first, I want to talk about, though, about really what joy, you know, the emotion of joy is. I've talked about and hear a lot about what the purpose of anxiety is and even depression and anger and things like that. But joy is an emotion that's in response to a person gaining something of value, whether that be a person, an object, an experience, a connection, right? But it's this response to gaining something of value. And our minds kind of process that as, I want to possess more of this, right? When we feel joy, when something feels good, right? We want more of that, right? Who doesn't? And so our behavior is to retain that moment of joy or whatever experience elicited that joy, right? Retain it, repeat it. If it's a person, sometimes it also is that signal to, I want to mate, I want to court with this person, right? Or reproduce and not even just reproduce in that way, but also reproduce this moment again. How can I reproduce this experience that elicited this emotion of joy? Right. And that message of this emotion is telling us that whatever this thing that we're experiencing is worthy, it's pleasurable. I want more of the same of this, right? Satisfying. This is a reward for this action. This is gratifying. I've gained a valuable resource and it ensures this future motivation. Right? So this emotion of joy is really for our survival in a lot of ways, right? If we don't have these moments of satisfaction and this feeling like we gained something really valuable and just this ensuring of our motivation towards what the future can look like, I mean, that's what propels us forward, 
right? Having more moments like that ensures our survival. It helps ensure our future motivation to keep going, right? And so pleasure is a very important and deep human drive that's crucial to our experience of just being alive. And joy, because of that, uh, you know, that gratifying experience or that reward for that action, it can give us a glimpse of what the future can hold and keep us motivated towards working on it, right? So it's a very motivating emotion that is key to our survival and keeping us alive. And although all of those things are true, many of us have a really complicated relationship with it. When we talk about pleasure, especially, it can bring about a myriad of different emotions for people when we talk about pleasure. Some people might feel empowerment, shame, excitement, fear, or a mix of all of these. And when we talk about pleasure, it isn't limited to sex, but nonetheless, that also plays a role here too. But many of us have received really confusing or sometimes very clear messages about pleasure, whether that be from family, society, religion, or just life experiences, that pleasure is shameful or taboo, or it's meant to be kept secret. And although, as you've heard, right, like this is a very innate drive in many of us that helps ensure our survival, majority of us tend to, you know, seek out joy and pleasure and want to experience this because it's natural and normal for us humans, right? But yet somehow a lot of us carry these very confusing messages that are shameful and not as empowering as they could be. And when we look at things like music, dance, art, right? These are things that often elicit a very pleasurable and joyful experience for people, right? And so here's how pleasure starts to become this act of rebellion. So again, music, dance, art, even eroticism, right? We've seen how these things can bring us pleasure and even fuel this emotional response that gives us this energy, right? This motivation, this like momentum and right. Whether that be dancing, right? Art, just sex, pleasure, right? All of these things. And that is hard to control, right? In the sense of when you feel it, you feel it, right? You just experience this really powerful emotional response when you're really in that moment of pleasure. And through the course of history, we've seen that people in power and government try to control these things. We've seen the control of music and even dance and art and eroticism. These things that just bring people pleasure have been under the control of the people in power in our society. And this really impacts marginalized folks even more, such as Black, queer, and Indigenous communities, right? Because when we have these larger populations that form community, and these communities are filled with 
joy and unity and connection, um, right? That maybe has been elicited by a commonality of music or dance or art or what have you. But either way, just this sense of community that can be filled with joy and elicits this really energizing, motivating kind of power and energy in this emotional response, right? As I said, it can provide this hope for the future. It can, you know, put a fire under us about change and motivation when we experience it. That can be very threatening to the larger system, right? That profits off of our tiredness, our hard work ethics that continue to pump out productivity and also leads to our consumption and consumerism in our society. So having, you know, over the course of history, trying to control these things that bring pleasure to communities and large communities gathering in unity and connection and joy with motivation is very threatening to a larger system that profits off of us not being happy, right? Um, And so this is where engaging in pleasure begins to be an act of even activism. And I want to mention writer Adrienne Marie Brown outlines this idea in her book, Pleasure Activism, The Politics of Feeling Good. And she wrote, Pleasure activism is the work we do to reclaim our whole happy and satisfiable selves from the impacts, delusions, and limitations of oppression and or supremacy. So it is a very rebellious act of rebellion um, or an act of activism to indulge in our pleasure when we access these moments of joy, this vibrancy that helps us thrive, right? It makes us truly feel alive and human to be able to experience pleasure. Um, It is a powerful statement when we've experienced a lot of history that has shown that, you know, government or society or people in power try to deprive people of joys with outright bans of things that bring joy or shaming of sources of pleasure that is just natural to people. Um, Even using, you know, economic means to have control over these things is really dehumanizing. And being able to reclaim those sources of joy is a way to act in that rebellion to assert that birthright of pleasure of not something that you need to earn or work really hard for. It's just something that we can access at all times. And it reprioritizes our joy and our vitality and kind of fights against the system that wants to, you know, continuously have us work and think that there's always something that we need to do to be productive or earn more, make more money, spend more, to have these things that can make you feel better after a long day of work and whatnot, right? So it is a way to recognize the freedom we can have when we try to access more of that pleasure and to be able to 
you know, cultivate more moments of that, to choose joy, to choose more moments, to indulge in our pleasure is a freedom that many people are fighting for, right? A lot of people don't have that privilege. And so to be able to indulge in those moments is an act of activism and rebellion, right? Because when we have this mindset in our society that, you know, there is this kind of narrative of joy or um, how do I say, just there's this scarcity mindset around it, like this fear mindset around, you know, not being able to have enough of those moments. And joy is really that feeling of abundance. It's we have it. We get to experience more of what makes us feel good. And in a society that has been built upon a lot of oppression and supremacy is kind of like hoarding a lot of those resources for a larger privileged group of people and kind of creating this false view that it's scarce to be able to access joy. And again, in consumerism, in capitalism, tries to sell it back to us after a long days of work, right? Tells us to work hard enough to be able to earn that pleasure. And so every time that we move towards joy, um, you know, say yes to these things that give us pleasure is reclaiming our agency and our autonomy in our life and saying that we don't need to buy that thing or we don't need to earn our joy or pleasure. I can find ways to access it right now because it is my birthright as a human to access these moments, even the little moments. And humans are very good at pursuing pleasure. They have found very creative ways to do so. Uh, even through the course of history when it has been tried to be controlled or banned or what have you. So humans will find a way and they will continue to find a way. And so we're going to take a little pause right here because I want to be able to talk about this next part of it uh, more fully without interruption. So the next part, we're going to talk about how, how do we start to cultivate more moments like this, right? How do we cultivate more moments of joy and leaning into pleasure? Okay, and we're back. So we've gone over the experience of the ways that our bodies are not used to or don't feel safe to lean into moments of joy all the various ways our brain and our defense mechanisms and our body can prevent us from trusting into the vulnerability of those moments. The ways it tries to remove us from the present to prevent ourselves from the later hurt, but instead just robbing us of these beautiful moments of joy and happiness that makes life worth living. And We've talked about all those ways that we struggle to have a relationship with joy and pleasure. And, you know, I didn't mention this at the start of the session, but I meant to, as far as, you know, why this is also a theme, you know, I mentioned that I 
see all these various ways that it shows up with clients. But this is also something I've struggled with personally myself as a recovering people pleaser um, and, you know, someone who is a parentified child as well, kind of growing up, not having those moments of play as much as I wish I did as a kid. And, you know, being a people pleaser, you end up kind of focusing on how everybody else is doing instead of your own moments of pleasure and joy, right? Being, not even knowing the answers to like, what do you like to do? What do you like to do for fun? What do you like to eat? Like even the simplest things of what do you like can be a very difficult question to answer when you haven't prioritized your own joy and pleasure in your life. And it can start to feel kind of scary to lean into those moments as I've talked about here, right? And so then we also kind of went over how accessing pleasure is a very innate drive within us as humans. And this joy signals this message to us that we're doing something to help ensure our future motivation to keep on living, to continue bringing in whatever is eliciting this great moment because it helps us thrive and gives us hope and helps us go along, honestly, right? Our lives can be full of so much stress and sadness and, you know, I mean, it's life, right? We have a variety of things that elicit all these different emotions and having more moments of joy and pleasure really can help us keep along. You know, as they say, like, keep on keeping on, right? I mean, it's hard to do that when we have, you know, a very imbalanced ratio of moments of joy to moments of anxiety or stress or fear, sadness, right? So we've also been in a society that you know, not to get too political here, right? But as you see, I'm not a complete blank slate therapist. I will share my perspective on how I think the world, at least the world we're living in is, right? With our capitalist society that really thrives on people working really hard and constantly feeling the need to be productive, to be worthy, to constantly, you know, be tired and need to be need to pay for quick fixes to help kind of keep us going rather than, um, you know, valuing the fact that we are valuable, even if we don't work really hard, that we don't need to earn those moments of pleasure and joy on the weekend um, to work ourselves to the bone and that we don't need to constantly be this consumer uh, to pay for, again, these little quick fixes that maybe alleviate the tiredness, the stress from any given day and just propel us on this little hamster wheel of work hard. And then I'll get this little dopamine hit of something that I have to buy. And then I'll just work really hard again until the next day and next day. And really how accessing that pleasure and joy is a way to get our freedom to indulge in what a privilege it is to access it when many people fight for it and throughout history our larger systems very threatened by communities that come together and do enjoy a common you know 
experience and just how it can unite us and connect us and really motivate change when we get to experience more moments of joy. It can feel very empowering. And it's that reclamation of our own autonomy in this world and knowing that we don't need anyone or anything to be able to experience it. Right. But again, with that said, how do we start to experience it? Because many of us either don't make time for it, right? It can be hard to make time for it. It can also be hard, again, as we said, just to lean into it, just to be able to enjoy it when it's there. And so it's important to think about, yeah, how do I prioritize joy and pleasure in my life? It can be so easy for the days to just pass on and, um, you know, just the present goes by so quickly, right? If we're not fully in the moment and we can kind of spend our whole lives planning for joy. We may think of like, oh, here's that vacation I'll plan a few months from now. Then I'll get to feel that moment of relaxation or, you know, always kind of like pushing it like, oh, I'll get to experience that later. But how can we start to cultivate more moments of joy in the present? How can we just experience more of that? And I think it starts with being aware and prioritizing it, right? Because if we deprioritize our joy, not only do we lose a source of connection, freedom, empowerment, and pleasure, we start to lose the point of it all. There is courage in risking the vulnerability of leaning into moments of joy to remember why we are alive. It is, again, the thing that ensures us to keep going. It helps us keep along and going through life, through all the suffering, through all the hardships, through all the wild things that we go through in a lifetime. Joy is in essence, a lot of why we are here, but that messaging doesn't really get instilled in a lot of us. Um, And so being able to remind ourselves that we deserve to feel joy and pleasure and start to think about, okay, how do I make it more intentional? Um, And I think that starts with creating that awareness right? Of, wow, I'm lacking that in my life. And sometimes that's a hard thing to come to terms with. I know for me as a recovering people pleaser, there was a lot of grief I went through when I started to realize that, wow, I have really not prioritized my experience of pleasure and joy. That's really been on the back burner my whole life. And I actually have a difficult experience knowing what that's like. And that can bring up a lot of grief of the times that that was taken or robbed or just knowing that that's kind of how my nervous system began to be adapted to just that baseline of guardedness, right? That I spoke of in the beginning and how learning how to play and create and have those moments of pleasure just for pleasure's sake not to earn it, not to be productive, but to just 
be and relax and be at ease was like, it, it kind of opened my mind to realizing how long I was living on autopilot. And that itself, again, can bring up a lot of grief. So first off, it's that awareness, right, of noticing, do I have experiences of joy and pleasure? Where can I have more of that in my life? Are there specific places in my life that I want more of that? Is that in relationships and connection? Or is that with hobbies and pastimes? Is that how do I can experience more of that in my vocation or my career? There's all these places that it's kind of like taking stock of, okay, where in my life could I use more of this? And then making that decision to be intentional and consistent about cultivating pleasure in our lives um, is, you know, that form of self-care. And it can look however it looks for you, right? It's whatever feels right for you. And so experiencing more eroticism, and I say that not in the sexual way, but in the meaning, meaning eroticism, meaning as a form of deep sensual pleasure. Again, not necessarily sexual, although it can be, of course, again, like I said, that's still part of it as well, if it is for you, but ultimately forming a deep sensual pleasure with life, with your experiences. So how can we have more eroticism in that sense of this deep sensual pleasure, more moments like that? And I think that starts with exploring, exploring what you like, exploring what feels good, indulging and engaging your senses, right? And learning like, oh, this feels good to me. This feels right to me. When I do this or when I indulge in this, this actually feels good and puts me at ease in my body. And learning what it feels like to sink into that deep, sensual pleasure of life and what life has to offer in those little moments, like I said, in in our senses. And so a lot of it is accessing this joy through the present And so there's going to be a lot of practice of mindfulness and indulging those senses can be that gateway to accessing it in the moment, right? Like I have an example of the other day I was, I had prepared myself a dinner that I was really excited to eat. And, you know, partway through my dinner, I realized that I was just very not mindfully eating that meal. It was going by real quick. And I had this moment of realizing like, oh no, it's almost gone. And I haven't enjoyed this. Like I'm eating it for sustenance, right? And I know I need to finish it, but there was this feeling of rushing through it. Or I just realized that the pleasure of the taste was going to be gone before I knew it. And so it's just those little moments of awareness to bring you back into the present and start to indulge your senses. And so what I did was I realized it. And then I realized how much I wanted to appreciate the meal I cooked for myself. And I wanted to appreciate the taste 
the flavor and I slowed down and I started to breathe and I just ate each bite one at a time and tried to notice the flavor of the lemon and all the things that I had in this meal. I just started to sink into my taste buds and be able to just breathe into that moment and enjoy, right? Like I had spent all this time cooking it and then I was going to just not enjoy it. So it's little things like that to bring yourself back into the present. And it just starts with that little moment of awareness of, oh, I want to, I want to feel good right now. I want to appreciate this thing. I want to indulge my senses right here, right now. And engaging in mindfulness is a great way to do that. And it starts with noticing and appreciating what I had what not I would call, what is called glimmers. So people talk about triggers all the time, right? Triggers is a very hot word. Um, Like that triggered me, right? We know that triggers are these, you know, things that are reminders or points of activation that, you know, alert our nervous system to danger and to be in protection mode and all the fight or flight stuff that we've talked about in here many of times, right? So triggers is something that we're very, very familiar with, but people aren't as often familiar with glimmers. And that is the opposite of triggers. Glimmers aren't just these tiny moments that bring us joy or happiness, but they can also just be these moments that spark ease, relaxation, a feeling of safety and connection even just for this fleeting moment. Glimmers are experiences or interactions or resources even that can help us feel these emotions, right? Feel this, um, or it can elicit, right? These feelings of safety, connection, presence, and feeling calm and settled in our body. And glimmers are, again, the opposite of triggers and the fact that they help calm our nervous system and help regulate our nervous system and return it to a good baseline. And as I mentioned before, right, a lot of us can have a very anxious baseline in our nervous system. So it's very easy to notice moments of triggers, but not as easy to lean into those moments of glimmers um, because returning to a calm, regulated nervous system state is very unfamiliar for many of us who have gone our lives with this high dysregulated state as our baseline. So, you know, everyone's got glimmers. And I think it starts with, again, exploring and practicing mindfulness. Because again, like when I share about being a people pleaser and things like that, you may not even know what things are that bring you joy, right? So part of it is a big exploration process, which I admit at first can feel kind of scary because it kind of feels like you don't know where to go. But at the same time, it can be a very exciting experience to start to notice, yeah, okay, let me explore. Let me try these things. Let me start to sit with and recognize how I know I like something in my body, 
how I register that this certain thing actually relaxes me and this thing actually brings me a lot of joy in starting to explore those things for yourself, to start to notice what can be a glimmer in your life. And again, it's also just this practice of mindfulness to notice when we have glimmering moments in our day-to-day life. Because like I said, it's not always this glimmer that's just going to bring you joy and happiness. It could also just be this moment of ease and relaxation just for this fleeting moment. And sometimes that's all we really need just to have a breather in this life. You know, like when I mentioned that experience of my dinner, right? When I finally noticed that I wasn't being mindful and that I indulged my senses and I took deep breaths and I enjoyed my meal. Wow. I can't tell you the feeling of ease in my body. (laughs) I was able to take a nice sigh of relief and I felt just this slow down back into the present. And that for me was a glimmer. It was just this moment that brought me some ease. It helped me breathe and rest in my body in a way that helped me feel relaxed. And that for me was a glimmer. And so some examples of glimmers might be, you know, having a comforting word from a friend or a hug with a loved one, um, cuddling with a pet, um, a favorite TV show, the feeling of sun on your face, that moment of having time alone when you first wake up in the morning during your morning routine, a good shower, that helps empty your mind and just wash off the day. The feeling of wind blowing in your face during a car ride, having a good laugh, indulging your senses in a cup of tea or coffee in the morning, witnessing an act of kindness, admiring nature, or a piece of art, listening to music or your favorite song, having dinner with your partner, or even just enjoying a beautiful meal by yourself and enjoying what that food tastes like, or admiring a sunset. These little things can be a glimmer. And, you know, these are the kind of little moments that we miss when life passes us by. And it's these little moments that can provide us some peace and ease when we let ourselves be in the moment and indulge in how they make us feel to appreciate these little things. And, you know, I'm just sitting here and I'm, I'm having this moment of indulging in it myself, just sitting in this moment myself. But again, our, our bodies are really good at keeping us safe. Our mind is good at trying to keep us safe. 
So triggers are very easy to notice. They're, they're meant to be alerting and activating for a reason to get your attention, but glimmers can be a little harder to identify than triggers because they need our attention to be able to notice them. They're very subtle, right? Very subtle responses that we need our conscious awareness to catch them in the moment because they are very fleeting moments. So again, practicing that mindfulness and noticing when certain experiences provide this sense of calm or ease in your body, noticing those moments more and more will help your brain become more aware of it and to notice them more and more. And so it's always a practice to start getting used to embodying what that feels like is just a practice. And the more and more you practice, the more and more it'll become easier or automatic to start to notice those moments more and more. And so I hope talking about this today, you listening to it has provoked some kind of thoughts about your relationship to joy and pleasure. If you're somebody who doesn't have a hard time leaning into those moments, I am so happy for you. And I hope you continue to indulge in those moments that bring you joy and pleasure. But if you're somebody who, like me and like many of the people I work with, who has a complicated relationship with pleasure and joy, I hope this conversation brought, again, some reflection about your relationship to pleasure and joy and hopefully helped empower you in some ways to want to claim your birthright to it and begin to cultivate an intentional conscious relationship with it to bring in more moments of joy and pleasure or even just noticing these moments of glimmers starting to explore what those might be starting to continue a practice of mindfulness and embodiment of what brings you joy so i hope after you listen to this that you start to notice or find or discover glimmers throughout your day and start to grow a greater capacity to lean into those moments and learning how to rebuild a trusting relationship with the experience of relaxation, pleasure, and joy. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Lightcast podcast. Remember, new episodes are out monthly. You can also visit me at my website, www.stephaniegtherapy.com. And you can also follow me on Instagram at Stephanie G Therapy. Take care. Thank you.